This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So well done for getting out. For those who are here this morning, well done for, for uh, going out in this weather. You made it. I got up this morning and I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to be in church this morning. So I'm thankful. So I want to share with you guys about messy church. It's been a topic that's been on my heart for a while. And I, and part of the message today is to, to give all of us a bit of context of where are we going? What are we trying to achieve? What is the, the thinking or the methodology behind uh, a lot of the things that we are doing and what we are pursuing as a church community? So the, the main thing that we are pursuing is the presence, the tangible presence of God. We are, we desire God in the house. Come on, say that God in the house. Okay. That means we're going to take steps. We're going to, we're going to risk at times like, you know, singing songs that we didn't plan because we're looking for the glory. We are looking for what God is doing in every situation. We, we are after Him. Okay, so that's, that's, that's the main, main thing. And, 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 and what God is calling us to, I shared a little bit about this last week, but, you know, we went to Shofar Swakopmund in Namibia, and it was quite a mission to try and get there with all the challenges. But in that process of, of, of trying to get into Namibia, the Lord really spoke to me about the nations. And even at our Open Heavens conference, they were the one song, a prophetic song that I felt the Lord laid in my heart, but it was all about this cry for the nations. God's heart is for the nations. Um, and, and there's something that happens that when we go to the nations, we, we are changed. And then we bring that back here to, to impact East London and to impact this environment. There's just something that happens when you go, you are changed and then you bring, bring back the glory. So I shared this testimony last week and I, I have, I have more info, so I want to share a bit more with you of the incredible things that the Lord did. But so when we had Shofar Swakopmund, we ministered basically into the different five-fold ministry streams. The Thursday evening was a prophetic evening. The Friday evening was a marriage or relational pastoral evening. And then the Sunday was a healing Sunday, healing to hearts um, and, and to bodies. And we saw amazing things God it was like, it was really like I felt after the Open Heavens conference, I felt a shift in my own life. Um, Andre Bronkhorst prayed over me and he said that this conference wasn't just for the people, it was for you, for me, because the Lord shifted something in me. The, the, the cry of my heart has been God in terms of the prophetic, Lord, we want to accurately hear your voice. Because sometimes we hear, sometimes we miss. I'm like, I want to miss it less. Less messiness, unnecessary messiness. More of you. And, and that's what I've experienced. I've, the, the, the prophetic words I received on our way to Namibia, and it was just incredible how those prophetic words were fulfilled. I would hear something from the Lord, and then it would manifest. It would actually happen within that service or in that next day. And it's just, it's just been beautiful. It really feels like... Um, and, and a lid has been removed off my life. And I, I trust for many of us, some of the guys that were praying for people at the Open Heavens Conference, they said for themselves, they just felt an incredible accuracy in the prophetic. Okay, so that was the purpose of the Open Heavens, to pursue that more. So so on this Sunday in Swakopmund, uh, you know, we a whole bunch of things happened. Salvation, altar call. People gave their lives to the Lord. Hearts were restored. I mean, it was a long service, praise God. There were all incredible things happening, and people didn't want to leave. They were just like the presence of God in the house. It was just incredible. So at the end, after all of that, I was like, okay, guys, now we're going to pray for physical bodies as well, because Jesus heals. So, um, so you can put on the next photo. So this young man... Is Tristan. So he's actually 14 years old. So I want to give you the whole story now. Last week I only shared half of the story. So he was born with major hearing problems. If it came out that his dad 
was born with major hearing problems. So dad was born with major hearing problems. Both sons were born with major hearing problems. So when I, I, so I had a word of knowledge. I felt the Holy Spirit say, hearing, healing to hearing. So I was like, okay, that's the one word that I received. So I said, guys, anybody struggling with your hearing, please come forward. And so they brought this young man uh, to us to pray for him. And he had a, you know, when the moment he spoke, he had the hearing aids in. The moment he spoke, you could pick up, he has a, a speech impediment. So he's struggling. It's a classic, like born with hearing problems. And so I told him, take out the hearing aid, prayed for him. And every time I prayed, like three, four times, every time we prayed, his hearing improved. So it's 20% improvement, 40% improvement. Then he like, at the end, like 85% improvement. And as he was hearing better and better, I, I really felt the Lord say that he will be a sign, prophetically, that he will be a sign to the nations. So it was just, it was just an amazing moment. So anyway, so uh, this past week, so he's, he's in a normal school, um, but this past week, they did hearing tests for the school. Okay, so who do you think got the best, the best results in the school? Normal hearing kids, his results, the best of everyone. Come on, that is just like, Jesus, you are rocking my world. Because I felt prophetically before going to Namibia, I felt the Lord say significant miracles. There's this increase coming, significant miracles that will get people's attention. You see, Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. Our God is powerful and he's still moving. And so on the next slide, you see his younger brother. So Marco is a younger brother. So in the evening... They brought his younger brother, same story, hearing aids, told him, take it out. And he was also healed in, in Jesus' name. Isn't that awesome? So both of them, it was just amazing. Because I was struggling with this whole thing. Now, so the, the older brother has been healed. Now we pray for the younger one. What if nothing happens? Wouldn't that be such a struggle to this young man? So praise God, he was healed. <laughs> Glory to the Lord. And I just so thankful. And a whole lot of other things happened. Incredible miracles um, broke out. And, uh, and even last week, Sunday, both services, we had a whole lot of people physically healed here. Jesus is still working. Every miracle is a, is a, is a sign that points to Jesus. He's alive. He's powerful. He's faithful. But now the challenge is church is messy because what are those times when people do not get healed or they get partially healed or whatever you know and i want to i want to actually speak into that area i want to speak into this process of how do we pursue the glory of god and how do we manage the challenges of of life and of church you see the I've been in ministry now for about 20 years full-time. And in the 20 years, I've seen friends of mine, pastor friends of mine getting offended with God and walking away from the ministry. I have seen people backslide. I have seen moral failures amongst leaders. I've seen so many messes. But the question is, how are we going to respond to those messes? On our, in our pursuit of the glory of God, of the fullness of God, there are these challenges on that way. And I want to help us this morning because I feel for some of us it's, it's really affecting um, our, our focus on, on the Lord. So even globally, it's almost like every month you hear of another well-known church leader falling apart morally or something. I don't know if you've seen, but... Hillsong's church, probably one of the most well-known churches in the world. They're in a massive, massive crisis in terms of a leadership crisis. And the leader has stepped down. And, 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 and so how do you manage these things? Is it, does that mean now all of Hillsong's is like everything they've done, every song that's ever been sung, it's not of God? No. It's just part of life. There are messes. 
and I'm, I'm trusting that the moral messes would be less, <laughs> but, that the, but, but that it will be messy is undeniable. That is the journey. Why? Why is it so messy? Because there are people in church, and we are imperfect. Okay? You too. Not just others as you, you, you too. We are all imperfect people, and so we're bringing a messiness to church, to community. To life. So one of the reasons it's so messy is imperfect people. So we, we shouldn't be surprised if there are messes at times. Secondly, we also, we are in a spirit war. And war is messy. Now look at the Ukraine-Russia war. Is it pretty? It is not pretty. It is a, it's terrible. It is bloody. It is messy. It is, it is no one's winning. But we are in a spiritual war, and in a spiritual war, there will be casualties. The only question is, will you also be a casualty? Will you be one of those that lose their way? Or will you be one of those who stay on track no matter what? Because I've seen some of some horrific things over my 20 years of ministry. People close to me, leaders above me, people under my authority. I have seen some horrific stuff. So how do you respond? Well, I've decided that I'm going to follow Jesus. doesn't matter what other people are doing. Amen? I'm going to follow Jesus. And you should, I would advise you to do the same. Whether I follow Jesus or not, whether I lose my way or not, you should follow Jesus. So, so there's this thing that happens, in, and this is just called just being human. We tend to shift our trust from the Lord onto others, onto people, onto leaders. It's just like we always want to shift. It's just human. But we should not. We should have our trust in the Lord. As the word of God says, you know, the just shall live by faith. Faith in the Lord, not in people. But, oh, we see it. We see how hearts want to shift. We want to, it's like, you know, that classic uh, example, we have Moses on, on, the, on the mountain in the glory of God, and he's on the mountain for like 40 days, and the people are at the bottom, and they're not hearing anything, and they're like, we don't know what to do with this. So Aaron, make us a God. Make us a calf. We want to we wanna see something. We want to feel something. We want to we we shift our trust from there, what we cannot see, to here that we can't see. It's called idolatry. And so what we in the church world tend to do is we shift our focus and our love and our affection and our trust from Jesus to people. And we forget, it doesn't matter how anointed, how powerful, how famous, they're just people. Without Jesus, they're nothing. Without Jesus, we are nothing. And so we need to get our hearts back onto the Lord. The just shall live by faith. Don't lift people up into a, onto a pedestal that they are not meant to be on. We lift Jesus up, not people. Amen. So why is it so messy? Imperfect people. Why is it so messy? We are in a war. And there will be casualties. And thirdly, just human nature. I think the, the biggest tests in life is not the trials, not the persecution, not the difficult things. The biggest test in life, I think, is sometimes the successes. Success. The blessings of God can sometimes be the biggest challenge. And I've seen this over the years as well. People come to church and maybe they're single and they're like, Jesus, you're my everything. And then they meet their spouse. Hallelujah. And you never see them again. They have found their blessing. Uh, Oh, some people are just stormy Christians when it's like stormy Jesus. And when things are going well, oh, on the beach, hallelujah, everything's wonderful. No, no, let's keep our eyes, our hearts on the Lord. And, and you know, when messes happen, when, when things don't work out so well, you know, it's, it's, it's again, it's like we want to we clean things up. No more messes, no more messes, you know. And we want to control everything, more rules. Seen this with church leaders. You're like, hey, well, this will never happen again. We're going to add this rule and this rule and this rule. And then we become like the Pharisees that just added so many rules that there's no life anymore. Everybody being controlled. 
So that's not the answer. Messy church is part of the game. It's part of life. But if we control too much, there will be dead religion. So look at this um, scripture, Proverbs 14, verse 4, that speaks into this desire. We want things to be clean. It says, where no oxen are, the trough is clean. Hallelujah. Clean trough. No stinky. Just beautiful. But it says, but much increase comes by the strength of the ox. Clean trough, but no strength, no power. In other words, God's not in the house. When we want to clean everything up. In our pursuit for less messes in the church, we want to chase the ox, oxen out. It's like having a farm and you step onto the farm. And you're like, I don't like this poop on the farm. I'm like, I don't like this. Let's get, what's the source? Well, let's get rid of all these oxen. Because we want it to be clean, nice and clean. <sighs> and then what? The very purpose of the farm is gone. No more meat. Yo, I will miss my fillet steak. No more meat, no more milk. The very purpose of the farm is, is, is removed because we try to clean it up. And I think worldwide, this is what the church has been doing. You know, if you look at every move of God, every, the founding of any church movement, any, it starts normally with revival and revival is messy. God shows up. There's people that probably don't have a cooking clue what they're doing because God goes where the humble are. <laughs> so they don't know what they're doing. God shows up. Things begin to work. Things begin to move. And at some point, someone says, I don't like these messes anymore. We're going to clean things up. And then the result is dead religion. Dead religion. So I don't know about you, but I want God in the house. I want, the, I want that much increase comes by the strength of the ox. And so you and I need to know that when you're on the farm, you keep one eye on the ground. You are looking and you sidestep the poop. Unless you have like Chris, you know, wonderful boots, you probably just walk through it. <laughs> so you need, to, you need to be aware of your environment. It's like people, when they come to church originally, especially young believers, like, these people are so beautiful, and they're so loving, and they're so kind, and everything's so perfect, and then one person offends them. No. No, it's it's messy. Where there are people, it's going to be messy. Come and say, it's going to be messy. It's going to be messy, but you need to keep your eyes on Jesus. You need to keep your eyes on the one who will not fail you. Keep your eyes on the one who is faithful in every situation. So you and I need to learn how to navigate the messes of not just church, but life. You're going to have, you're going to have things that's going to, going to happen. It's going to always be messy on one level or another. So I remind us of one of the words that Andre Bronkhorst, um, shared with us. He was in, in Europe and, and he left one of the, was leaving one of the churches and the Lord said to him that the church in Europe will go extinct unless they embrace the fivefold ministry. And so that's been such a confirmation to me of what the Lord has been saying to me over the last 10 years, that we need to embrace the fivefold ministry, the full fivefold. Now, there are a whole lot of obstacles to, full, to, to embracing the fivefold. And one of the obstacles is we like it to be clean. And when you add the apostolic and the prophetic, you, your risk levels go next level. It becomes especially messy when you pursue the fullness of God. So the original, if you look at the original uh, community of Israel, they came out of Egypt and, and the Lord led them to build the tabernacle of Moses. The purpose of the tabernacle was God's glory to come and rest. And then later Solomon's temple, the purpose of the temple was that the glory of God would come to rest. There is no purpose for these tabernacles or these temples, if God himself wasn't there. So now look at this, Numbers 9. And this speaks about this glory cloud that rested upon the community. It says in verse 15, Now, on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, that's Moses' tabernacle, the cloud, the glory cloud, 
covered the tabernacle, the taint of the testimony. From evening until morning, it was above the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. So at night, it was the appearance of fire. And, and if you read some, some history about revivals like the Pensacola revival in Florida in 1995 to 1999, right, that, that time period, they literally saw fire on the church buildings at times. They would phone the fire brigade guys, God, you know, it's, it's, it's burning. You know, so there was, when God shows up, often he shows up as a fire, Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Now, verse 16 says, so it was always, the cloud, always. So, so it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night, the glory, the presence of God on the house. Verse 17, whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that the children of Israel would journey. And in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. So they would follow the glory. If the glory lifts, they would all pack up their bags, pack up their tents, and they would follow the glory. Where the glory would rest, would settle there, they would settle as well. And then in verse 18, it just says again, at the command of the Lord, they would journey. At the command of the Lord, they would camp. And, and so I felt the Holy Spirit lay this on my heart as something, as a message that I need to carry to the wider body of Christ. I felt the Lord say to me, announce to my church that the cloud has moved. It's time to get up and follow at all cost. Pursue my presence. So I want to announce that to us today. Over the last 10 to 20 years, there has been a shift in the church worldwide. The glory has moved. Was there glory 10 years ago? Yes. Was there glory 20 years ago? Yes. There were some incredible things that God did in the past. Do you know what is human nature? We want to park there because it was so beautiful. Maybe when you became a Christian originally, especially when you're new to it, it's just so wonderful. I mean, and you've learned some amazing things from your original church leaders or pastors and in your original church where you were at maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And it's like, that was so wonderful, the glory days, and you want to park there. Well, I really feel the Lord is saying, the glory has moved. The glory has moved. And the glory, the presence of God is moving his church into the full fivefold. The full fivefold ministry, which reveals the fullness of Christ. And, and I think this is what's, what's challenging is we've all, we've all come from different backgrounds, different churches, different histories, different things that God has done in our lives. And it is so hard to get up and move because there were so beautiful moments there. But are you willing to be, to remain in the desert without the presence of God? I am not. I want to move. I want to move. I want to follow the glory. And, and, and I've, I've experienced this even in our church family. I'm seeing this. I'm seeing pastors who are hearing the voice of the Lord and they're getting up and they are pursuing the full fivefold. They're pursuing the presence of God, the glory of God. Those churches are flourishing. And then now those that they don't know yet, they still stuck in 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And I tell you, they're going to miss out unless they get up and move. And I believe it's not just churches that are coming to a crossroads. It is individuals that come to a Every one of us need to make a decision. Am I okay to park here without the presence of God? Am I okay to hold on to the past when I should be moving into the future? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And sometimes, especially when we experience the messiness of church and church life, and sometimes when we get hurt in our hearts, then especially we hold on to the past. And we struggle to let go and to move into the future. So for where we are going as a church God is calling us to pursue the glory. That means risk. That means messy. That means stepping out of our comfort zone. That means sometimes stuff is going to be a little bit 
out of the box and we're like, whoa, come trach. <laughs> we need, we, <laughs> it's going to get interesting. So I want to encourage us. Let's move. Let's move. Let's let go of the old to embrace the new. And I see this with so many people. You know, people that come to this church, but they're still holding on to the past. So they, they cannot grow into what God is doing. And that takes, it takes humility. It takes a humility to say, I come here to receive and to learn and to grow so that I can move into all that God has for us. Okay, so look at this, Ephesians 2, verse 19. It says, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, praise God, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Yeah, we are members, part of the household of God. The purpose of the household is to carry the presence of God. Then verse 20, it says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So there's not just the original apostles and prophets. I and many other believe every generation, there are apostolic and prophetic people that are calling the church to, hey, the glory has moved. We need to get up and follow. Let's move. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, verse 21, being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So we are being built together a dwelling place for God. But the only way it's going to happen is if we embrace the apostolic and prophetic voices. Obviously, Jesus being the center of everything. And, and, and this makes it quite challenging. Especially when we look at our church cultures, you know, it's like, what? Apostles and prophets and, you know, it's like, what is that? You know, where, where's this coming from? Or what is this? You know, no, it's in the Bible. I'll, I'll give you another uh, passage or two to, to give some context. But if we're going to move into all that God is for us, because right now, if you look at the, the fivefold. This is from my book, Increasing Heaven's Flow, and, and it's sort of the model by which we do church. Each one of the fivefold um, has a specific goal, a specific anointing that they are pursuing. Like the apostolic, um, the mission is kingdom reign, to establish the kingdom of God tangibly. People being healed, the kingdom of God tangibly coming, unlocking faith. The apostolic unlocks faith so that the church will move in the power of God. The apostolic connects us to the power of God. The prophetic uh, and connects us to the presence of the Lord. And obviously also to hear his voice. But the prophetic voice is like, hey, the glory cloud's moving. Are you guys seeing it? Come on, let, let, let's move. But what's now happening in the church is that the apostolic and the prophetic are being disconnected from the pastoral, the teaching side of things. So the pastors and the teachers are being disconnected from the apostolic and the prophetic. And that's when the church becomes powerless and without the presence of God. And then obviously the, the evangelists, they focus on winning souls. The, the, the pastoral is about seeing relationships flourish, authentic relationships. The teaching guys focus on the word, not just knowing the word, but we becoming the word, living the word, godliness, integrity, those kind of things. So... So to explain to you, so we had the Open Heavens Conference, which is a prophetic, which is to unlock more of the prophetic. So we expose ourselves to people in a different flow. And, uh, and I know for some of us it was difficult. Now, what is this prophet thing? You know, wow, 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 this just offends me. And a whole lot of us like, woo, going to check this oak out there. Prophet. You see, for me, the apostolic, prophetic, and the whole fivefold, it's not about titles, it's about function. But if we want to embrace the wider, we need to see what somebody carries on their life so that we can move into all that the Lord has called us to. So we need to, so, so the prophetic conference, open heavens. Uh, end of September will be Kingdom Now, which will be an apostolic conference we want to unlock that demonstration of the kingdom we want to unlock greater faith um, so that we can be connected to the power of god 
So why is there this disconnect between the apostolic prophetic and the rest? Well, there's a number of reasons. But the one is we, man, we love that clean trough. Uh, we love it. We love uh, it. It is squeaky clean. No issues. No weird. Just nice and controlled. We have our one-hour service, and we've scheduled everything, and the band and everything is perfectly executed. And we're like, yes, clean trough, beautiful. Okay, but that's not the goal. The goal is God in the house. That's why we risk it. Like we did prophetic songs this morning. We're like, we're going after the glory. God, what are you wanting to do? What are you wanting to do? Lord, we're going to follow you. So that clean trough is a challenge. And then also what we, uh, there's another few, you can go to the three things. We love a clean trough. And also what we don't understand, we fear. So when it comes to, you see, God is too big to put in a box. So if you try to control things, it's just not going to fit in that box. You're going to be without his tangible presence. So when the Lord shows up, out of the box kind of things happen. I shared about this last week, but we were in at Swakopmund. One of the words the Lord gave me was, give my people an encounter with me. Now You can't fake it. You can't make it happen. So... But the Lord has been leading me just to lay hands on everybody. So if you, now in Cape Town, Paul, Wellington, I, I lay hands on about 120 people. Um, in in Swakopmund, again, almost 100 people. I come, we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to trust, because the Bible talks about the laying on of hands. It's biblical. But now that encounter with the Lord, only Jesus can do that. Because, you know, I just touch them on the head or on the shoulder or wherever. And I'm like, Jesus, touch them. And then people have these incredible encounters with God. That rocks their worlds. But now, some come from a certain church tradition like, what the heck is this? People are falling over. You know, I explained it last week, you know. In the Bible, we see many times when people either encounter the, an angel or they encounter God himself. They fell to the floor as though dead. So it's biblical. When you meet the creator of heaven and earth, you're going to feel it. Okay. But so that is messy. It is messy. What do you do with that? Well, you look at the fruit. You see, well, their lives have been changed. They've been physically healed. They've been delivered from a whole bunch of stuff. God has showed up. Okay, but so that's the one word I've received from the Lord. Give my people an encounter with me. And then the response is, we have never experienced anything like this. It's like a taste of heaven. It's like pointing the guys at guys. The glory is moving are you going to follow? Are you okay with a, with dry, dead religion? Or do you want the whole deal? Okay, so so that disconnect. I shared last week as well. So the one guy came to me, oldish guy, about 80 years old, and he said to me, Are you hypnotizing people? I'm like, no. I'm not pushing them over. I'm just touching them. Jesus is rocking their worlds. And in the same way, um, you know, this guy's wife had an incredible encounter with God. And, and I had a beautiful time sharing with him. But understand, what we don't understand, we fear. But we need to ask ourselves this question. Do you want God in the house? Or do you want a clean trough, but God's not in sight? That's what we all need to ask ourselves. How hungry are we for God? How hungry are we for the more of God? And then thirdly, I think we've lost our original biblical context and we've replaced it with so much empty church tradition. So look at this. This is where Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, Mark chapter 17, verse 13. And he says, you're making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down. And many such things you do. Now, one of the biggest mistakes we can make in life is to think about the Pharisees like, oh, those poor, shocking so-and-sos. We would never do that. No, the word's always for us. We need to evaluate. Are we holding on to church tradition? Am I holding on to my way, old way of seeing things that I learned 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Or am I stepping into what God's doing now that aligns with Scripture? So we, we, we mustn't allow our wrong traditions... To make God's word without effect. We need to allow God's word to guide us. 
So, for instance, look at the next slide. There's just some facts from the New Testament. There are 25 named apostles in the New Testament. 24 men and one woman, possibly. It's obviously very contentious to declare that there might have been a woman that was an apostle. Some guys are like, no, no, can't be, impossible. <laughs> so if you look at somebody like Heidi Baker from Iris Ministries in Mozambique, I mean, undeniable, she's an apostle. She's an apostle. People are getting healed in incredible ways through, when they will go into town, she just says, bring all the deaf people, and then they all start hearing. Planting, like I understand, hundreds if not thousands of churches. Definitely an apostolic call upon her life. So, But some are so narrow-minded because of maybe one or two verses that they interpret in a certain way. They're like, uh-uh, God cannot anoint a woman to do that kind of thing. And I'm like, who are we to tell God what he can or cannot do? Amen. So 60% of the church world, they are women. And I tell you, if the women are willing to go, the Lord will anoint them powerfully. Amen. Hallelujah. Preaching it myself, yeah. But I, this works me up. Uh, it works me up when people, like even with my wife, she's so anointed. She's so of the Lord. She brings such a beautiful dynamic of God's heart into a church and into ministry. And I'm like, oh, the guys that want to like, they're not allowed to preach or share. Or I'm just like, I'm like, how can you? She's anointed by the Holy Spirit. That means Jesus put it on her. Amen. But I guess that's part of the risky thing. Are we willing to follow the glory? Are we willing to follow what God is doing? Are we willing to see, to discern what the Holy Spirit is doing? Or are we just going to hold on to the old or even, I believe, our misinterpretation of Scripture. Then it says, 11 named New Testament prophets, one named evangelist, Philip. No named pastors in the New Testament. Well, obviously, they were elders, but they weren't like named this elders by name. And then five named teachers. What I'm trying to show you is that in the New Testament, apostles and prophets were quite common. It's not like super, super awesome. It's just like the Lord raised them up. So 1 Corinthians 12 verse 28, it says, and God has appointed, not man, not people's nice ideas, not church tradition, and God has appointed these in the church. Not he will appoint and then no longer appoint. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then miracles, etc. But there's a priority. First, the apostolic mindset, the apostolic grace and anointing, then the prophetic. And, 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 and that gives the context for the pastoral and the teaching. And so what I found is that in terms of when the pastors and teachers and even the evangelists, when they do not embrace the apostolic prophetic anointings and mindset and callings on people's lives, they are disconnected from the power and the presence of God. They're disconnected. And, and then they miss out on all that God wants to do. And the priority means also that the teachers and pastors, there's a humility that comes to, that needs to come to our lives to allow the apostolic prophetic voices into our lives. I tell you, it was amazing to me with uh, Andre Bronkhorst that was here with the Open Heavens Conference. It was, he prophesied things of my life. He confirmed things that I've been walking with for 10 years. It, it was just phenomenal. To experience a true fivefold minister carrying that grace upon his life. And I know it's challenging for us to like prophet this and that, but I, I loved how he said it. He said, like, the Lord, because he wasn't, he's not focused on titles and things. And he said, and the Lord said to him, if I want to call you my prophet, then <laughs> this is how it is. And, and I love that perspective, you know. Um, but the Lord is connecting us to, with, with, people and churches and cultures that might be different to ours. We might never go apostle, prophet, whatever else. But we need to embrace what is on people's lives so that we can step into all God has for us. So will we be biblical? That's my question. 
Will we allow apostolic prophetic voices into our lives? Because I, I, I allow apostolic prophetic voices into my life. And I'm looking for more and more God connections so that we can flow and function in the full fivefold. So do we want to go extinct as a church? We need to embrace the full fivefold. Do we want to sit in the desert without the presence of God? No. Then we need to let go of the past. Some of us need to let go of our church traditions. Some of us need to let go of what happened 20 years ago. And we need to move and follow the glory of God. Because that's what I'm going to do. Going to follow the glory. So the, the, the challenge is this. Every one of the fivefold has risk inherently embedded in it. In other words, it's going to be, it's going to be messy. It's going to be messy at, on one level or another. But what, what I feel the Lord is saying is, love my people into my presence. In other words, maybe, maybe just uh, put on the next verse, Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 2. I want to just quickly touch on this. It's like the introduction to the fivefold. And I felt the Holy Spirit take me to this passage. It says, as a prison of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy. In other words, clean up your own mess. You shouldn't be messy morally. Purity, holiness, each one of us, we have a responsibility to walk in purity and holiness. We shouldn't be messy. But we should have grace for other people's messes. It says, walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank, that you are called of God, your, 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 this beautiful call of God upon your life, given to you in your divine calling. Now, the next verse, it says, with tender humility and quiet Patience always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. Always demonstrate. This so spoke to me because one of my favorite, favorite passages in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4, where it speaks about the apostolic call to demonstrate the spirit and power. That's the apostolic call, demonstrate the spirit and power, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, that's good, yes, but always demonstrate gentleness and generous love. In other words, you and I are called to reveal the nature of God in everything that we do. In other words, every one of us, we have certain passions in the kingdom, maybe a bit more apostolic, maybe prophetic Maybe the relational thing is your passion. Maybe the word and the theology and teaching is your thing. Or maybe souls is your thing. We all have our passions. And it's like a, 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 something we wear. It's like our passion. But there's something above and beyond that that is more important. It is demonstrate gentleness and generous love. In other words, we, we should do ministry in a way that is Holy Spirit led and not flesh. So in terms of the apostolic, in terms of giving people an encounter with God, how do, how do we do it? You know, we touch somebody gently and we say, God, touch them. You know, but I have seen people, they come, they go and they want, they want you to have an encounter. So they're going to push you. They're going to push you over, you know. And I'm like, stop it. You, you are in the flesh. You are trying to force something that should be something supernatural. That should be something, a sign and a wonder that they have encountered God. And you are now pushing it. Okay, so that's unnecessary messiness that um, should not be happening. And in the same way, in every one of the fivefold, we need to evaluate. So if you go to the fivefold ministry diagram again, when it comes to the prophetic, you know, <laughs> there is a lot of messiness in terms of the prophetic. So if you know you're on a farm, you need to navigate around the poop. You know, so, so at say Open Heavens Conference, you know, there is not one minister of God, not one servant of the Lord, not one prophet that is 100% correct the whole time. So even at Open Heavens, I could, but I'm, I've, I have eyes. I look beyond the mess. I'm just looking for the glory. You know, so, so even with the prophecies that came at Open Heavens, you know, I could listen, I could discern, eh, I think that's, the person themselves saying something, they're making an assumption. And then I get, oh, there's the glory. There's the presence of the Lord. There is the Holy Spirit. 
speaking and moving and molding. And so I want to call us to maturity in every level. So you receive a word and, and, and you say, oh, I don't know what to do with that. Then just park it. Pray about it. But those parts that you feel the Holy Spirit is over it, it is your inside is jumping up like, yes. Now you run with that. You run with that. And so there were incredible things that happened. I think this is part of the challenge. It's like, especially when you're skeptical, you're coming from the outside like, oh, that wasn't God. But did you see the part that was God? <laughs> Some people can only see that which is not of God. And so you miss out. You're only seeing the poop. You're not seeing Jesus. Come on, say it. I'm going to see Jesus. You need eyes to see Jesus. And then when we do ministry, we must always manifest the very nature of God. We had so, so many beautiful testimonies of our people praying, our ministry team praying for people. And, and the feedback was just like the guys here praying for you, they were as spot on, as accurate as the prophets. And this is part of our, 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 the messiness. Some churches here in town, only the pastor prays for people. Some churches in town, only the elders pray for people. But I am like, no ways. Every believer is a carrier of the presence of God. Is it going to be messy? Yes. Hallelujah. It's going to be messy. Eh? So you get a word here and it's spot on and it's accurate and it's beautiful. You come for prayer and someone says something really stupid. Then you ignore it and you move on. <laughs> Amen. You give them grace. You give them patience. You give them mercy. They're probably still growing. And it's the same with the pastoral, the relationships flourish. It's the same with the word flesh guys, the teaching guys. Everyone, there's certain risks. For instance, with the pastoral thing, if we want authentic community, authentic relationships, do you know what that means? Sometimes you have to talk to people and say, hey, you are hurting people with the way you're speaking or the way, what you're doing. You need, to address, you need to address that. If we want, that's a risk. That is a much a risk. As prophesying over somebody, I feel the Lord is saying this to you. That's a risk to address something in somebody's life because you don't know how they're going to respond. And some people, unfortunately, are so immature that they cannot understand, ah, you're not like Jesus yet. You need to grow. And what happens? They run away. Like, I can't handle it. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> Come on. We're all growing. Eh? My wife often tells me where I'm missing it. Hallelujah. <laughs> that's part of the messiness of life. You are still growing. But part of our authentic community where the glory of God can rest upon us is that we need to address the messiness in our lives at times. It's part of it. Then the teaching flow, the teaching culture or the teachers, the word flesh. You know, where's the risk when it comes to the teachers? It is to embrace the whole counsel of God. In other words, we don't just preach the blessing parts. We preach the tough stuff. We preach the stuff that is counterculture that freaks out people because they're like, how can you say that? Well, it's the word of God and it's the truth that's going to change your life. So we need to fear God more than we fear man on every level, all five. You need to fear God more than you fear man. Otherwise, you're going to walk away from the glory of God. Well, so when I was in Swakopmund, I woke up the Sunday morning and the Lord told me to address something in the church. I'm like, I don't want to. I really don't want to. <laughs> uh, the Lord often takes me to talk about stuff that no one else wants to talk about. So I go to the, I go to the pastor and say, hey, I feel I need to address this in the church. And he's like, oh, are you sure? Ten minutes later, oh, Andre, are you sure? Yeah, I really, really feel the Holy Spirit is saying I need to do this. I need to address some moral failure in the leadership in the church from a few years ago. So I spoke to some of the elders afterwards, after the meeting. The elders were like, when you started to speak, we all broke out in a cold sweat. <laughs> but it was incredible. Brought so much healing to the church to go where the Spirit leads us to go. To clean up the messes. To bring clarity and truth and the love of God to those areas that are messy. So look at this. I want to end up with this verse. Colossians 3.12. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. He chose you. Every one of us, we have a responsibility to become more holy as we grow. To deal with the messes in our lives. 
He says, but you must clothe yourselves, clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What does it mean? All of us have certain passions in the kingdom of God. Say, for me, I want to see somebody healed. Or I want to see them set free. Or I want to see somebody come to Christ. Man, I want to give you a prophetic word from the Lord. Or I want to see a marriage restored or a heart healed. There's something that we are pursuing. But now he says there, you must clothe yourselves. In other words, you have this vest on of something that you're passionate about. But on top of that, over that, you need to, you need to wear something more important. Clothe yourselves with mercy, tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And these things only function when the opposite is happening. You need to be kind when somebody else is harsh. To be kind when everybody's nice to you, that's not, not an achievement. It's when somebody else is harsh to you. Can we clean up our own messes as we grow in Jesus? And can we manifest the nature of God in every situation? Can we know that somebody else is going to bring a mess to us? They're going to do something stupid. They're going to say something stupid. But we can extend grace to them. Colossians 3.13, make allowance. Come on, say allowance for each other's faults. I was build it into your budget. Somebody's going to do stupid this week. Just know it. Somebody's going to do stupid. I'm going to love them. I'm going to be patient with them. I'm going to be tender-hearted, merciful. I'm going to, I'm going to manifest the nature of God. Above every other ministry goal, we need to reveal the nature of Jesus. Amen? So we need to allow, we need to ask ourselves continuously, am I revealing the nature of God or am I being critical? Am I revealing the nature of God or am I just focusing on what's wrong in someone's life instead of revealing the love of Jesus? Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.